Welcome to episode 43 of the Ministry at Scope podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. Join us as we discuss trends, learn from experts, and share practical tips to help your ministry multiply its digital impact. No matter your workspace, you are in ministry. This podcast episode is really for all of us. How we do our work matters to Jesus. We're going to be talking with a couple who has a passion for inspiring people just like you and me to view our workspace as a ministry. If you hear this on the day that it's released, we're only one week away from the virtual digital ministry conference on October 6th and 7th. You won't want to miss it. We've got a great lineup of speakers like Kenny Jang, Misty Phillip, and many more. I'll share more about it at the end of the show, but you can go to digitalministryconference.com right now to find out more. And I'd encourage you, you got to pray for the people you work alongside. And, and, and what you'll find is that they're not going to change, but God will start to shape your heart to see them the way he sees them. And, and that is the power of prayer. Welcome to the Ministry of Scale podcast. I'm your host, Chad Williams. You know, many of you listening today may be serving in full-time Christian ministry. Others of you may be working in the marketplace and doing ministry in your spare time. But how many of you, no matter where you're working, see your work as ministry? Well, today I'm excited to have Jim and Martha Brangenberg with us. Jim and Martha are co-founders of the ministry I Work For Him. Their passion and their calling is to see God's people impacted for the kingdom through their work. They've recently released three books, and I've got them right here. I Work For Him, which is their flagship. I Retire For Him, and She Works For Him. And uh, I'm just really excited to have Jim and Martha with us, joining us today. So Jim and Martha, welcome. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, so could you guys just share a little bit of the story around how I Work For Him came to be? It was something that God started writing on our hearts, really, as 13-year-olds. <clears throat> Martha and I had the opportunity to commit our lives to full-time Christian ministry as 13-year-olds at that same youth conference three years before we met. Wow. And so naturally... So, so you hadn't met each other then? And you were... Yeah. Wow. We were... We were just, had just turned 13. We were just coming out of seventh grade and have both committed our lives to full-time Christian ministry. And so huh. naturally when we met and we got married, we naturally thought that after our four-year degrees were done, that we would um, then go to seminary and become pastors or missionaries or something like that. That was what, That's what you thought when you're committed to full-time Christian ministry. Yet Martha grew up in an entrepreneurial family and I grew up mm. as an entrepreneur. And so there was this disconnect with what's the deal? Um, I, I, we feel entrepreneurial, yet we have this ministry calling. Uh, and so literally that was a 20-year struggle with lots of ins and outs, which we could go into those details if you wanted us to. But the bottom line was at 40, I got introduced to Oz Hillman's daily devotional, todaygodisfirst.com. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that my work mattered to God. And it started to explain the passion I had for ministry. And all of a sudden I saw myself as a pastor to the people that reported to me. I saw myself as a, uh, a minister in my workplace. And, but what frustrated me as business people, when I was out in the, the marketplace um, networking with people, I run into Christians who said they were Christians, but the way they did business didn't reflect Jesus at all. And I, hmm. I got frustrated with them. And I wanted to shake them by the shoulders and say, you know, Jesus, please don't, if, if you 
If you know Jesus, please don't do business the way they are. Or if you're going to do business the way they are, please don't tell people you know Jesus. Yeah. But that yeah. wasn't a long-term solution. I, I just, yeah. God was laying on my heart a passion to disciple people. And I said, Lord, we'll know you want us to move forward with something when you give us a name for whatever it is you're stirring in our hearts. Hmm. Hmm. And and so, so then really what happened that actually birthed I work for him is that Jim was writing down all these ideas of ways he could speak into people's businesses and have them look at their finances or whatever, how they were treating their employees. Um, but one night God gave him the name, I work for him. Hmm. And he started, you were talking, Jim, at an event where he was like five ways to incorporate Christ in your workplace. And the, uh, there was a woman in the room that we did not know that owned a radio station. And without knowing that, she said to Jim, what you're talking about, that needs to be on the radio. That is something mm -hmm. that's very much missing on Christian talk radio. And so that really was the trajectory that led to I work for him that we never anticipated. And that was eight and a half years ago now. Okay. And that's when you started on a radio station. With mm -hmm. the name, I work for him. Yes. And, 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 and I know you went through a couple of renditions, but right now you base, you, you interview people who are doing Christian marketplace ministry really well. Is that, is that the, 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 the main gist of it? We do. We, we do three different types of interviews. Uh, people that are living out their faith at work, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and so that people can be in inspired by other people's stories of faith, Chad. And then we interview authors who have great books that speak specifically into it. And we've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of authors. And, and then we interview ministries that are specifically designed to um, encourage and equip yeah. workplace believers. And we don't say marketplace. And uh, we usually say workplace hmm. because in the marketplace, people think of business but yet people in education, government, and healthcare don't think of themselves as part of the marketplace. So that's why we say workplace. That's a great distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. You, you mentioned your passion for discipleship. So, so just talk to us, what does discipleship look like in a work context? And, and how did you get started discipling um, men and women in, in, a, in, a, in a workplace context? Well, it's interesting because one of the things that God created in both Jim and I is this desire that when we learn something to share it with others. Mm -hmm. And so naturally discipleship kind of flows out of that. And so early on, we thought it was especially like Jim meeting with other business owners and, mm -hmm. and discipling them one-on-one -on -one and, and God just kept bringing different people to him to share mm -hmm. what he was learning and just how they might be able to incorporate it in their own um, work. What God has shown us with, I work for him is that we're to lift up how God is using people as disciple makers all over the place. So we ourselves don't have like a program of how to disciple, um, but saying, you know, hey, we heard about this organization or this leader who is teaching others around them what God's teaching in their own life. And that's what we see as discipleship, that that walking along actually and in, in, in true mentorship form, just somebody that's one step ahead, mm -hmm. you know, one, mm -hmm. one step ahead in their walk with Christ and using that as the trajectory to say, you know, here's how God has been showing me to incorporate him in my day in a more 
holistic way. You know, it's whole life discipleship. It's that whole idea that Jesus didn't just save us for the weekends. Mm -hmm. You know, he saved us for 24 seven, every day of the week and every day of the year. And so taking that into our work and what does that look like? And giving examples, that's really what it means to us. And, and we didn't really have a program because we really wanted to, God told us two very specific things. When we started this ministry, he said, I want you to think really, really big, but I don't want you to reproduce the wheel. And so mm-hmm. What he encouraged us to do is to uncover these ministries across the country that are already doing it. And so if we run into somebody who's ready to be discipled, we connect them to a ministry that we know about. And we've yeah. connected to thousands of ministries across the country. Uh, when we wrote the book, I Work For Him, it was not so much to create a program. It, it was to just give a written resource of a couple of things. Here's some practical, tactical, factual, and biblical ways to put your faith into action for the everyday believer, and also in the back of the book, and here's a whole bunch of ministries you can connect with to take your uh, discipleship deeper. What we found is that the everyday believer doesn't have many resources out there for them on specifically how to connect their faith in their work. You know, one of the one of the stories that you gave in this book that I really appreciated and connected with, maybe because it, w- it took place in Iowa, and I'm in Iowa, but uh, you shared how you were sharing Christ with your coworker, and then you were in this crazy car accident, and you should have died. And you turned to her and said, "You know, there's a reason why God saved us." And 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 uh, um, d- d- just share share with the folks what it looks like, or how you've been able to not just encourage people, but but. <laughs> discipleship isn't just about maturing the faith. It's also, there's an evangelistic element to it. And just, just reading some of those stories. Yeah. Just talk to us a little bit about that. Well, and in the context and the conversation, yeah, it was on I-80 uh, in central Iowa. Which I'm four miles away from, by the way, I live four miles Mm -hmm. south of I-80. So I'm very familiar (laughs) with the road. So it it was just one of those crazy snowstorms. But, you know, the, the leading up to that day, we had, you know, when my coworkers had expressed concern, they all knew I was a believer. And they all knew I cared for them. They all knew I had served them over and above what my job required me to do. They all knew that I that we'd befriended them outside of the workplace. And I was praying for them on a daily basis. And mm. when things were rough, I prayed with them. That day, I had one of my four bosses with me on an airplane flying from uh, Orlando up to Iowa. We were going to go fire somebody. And, and But the whole conversation for two and a half hours was, I'm okay with God, but this I don't know, Jesus, he's kind of exclusive and he's kind of, um, mm. what was the right word? He, he's, um, well, yeah, he's just kind of exclusive. And, and he kind of says, well, I'm the way, and I'm, I have a problem with that. I'm like, well, let's have a conversation about that. And so we argued back and forth and in, in a very great way, because she knew I loved and respected her. Mm-hmm. And when we got in, we, we didn't get in a car wreck. We almost got in a car wreck, which was staggering. Um, if, if I had done what I tried to do with the car, we would have died. But I, for some unexplainable reason, I could not stop this vehicle. I could not stop it. It, it slid for 600 yards. No other way to explain it. But anyway, we're sitting in the, just on the side of the road with a semi-truck that had just gone past us in the ditch to avoid killing us. And I looked at her and I said, if I had died, I'm okay. I'm ready to go. But if you'd have died, you'd have gone to hell. And you know the truth. This, we're only alive because you needed time to be able to decide on Jesus. 
And a few months later, she decided for Christ. I just wanted to point out the fact that what Chad was saying about discipleship, though, started long before then, right? right? The whole conversation was consistent, and you really had been just living out Well, your we, faith in many different ways. Yeah, what we call the I work for him nation covenant. Chapter now, s- we didn't know what it was right, then. No, we didn't. <laughs> but in chapter seven of the book, but it's also online. You don't need to buy the book in order to get this. It's on our website, the I work for him nation covenant. It just, if people want to know, how do I get started as living out my faith in my workplace? We get that question all the time. And we're like, it's simple. It's on our website. And the reason I know it's from God is because we've connected up with other ministries across the country unrelated to us. And they have the exact same plan. Mm. It starts with praying for everybody around you Mm. on a daily basis, Mm. by name, people that you interact with every day. Then it it goes to serving people over and above what your job requires you to do. Don't just do what you're required to do. Go over and above. Mm. And then befriend people outside of the workplace. Develop real relationships with people. Don't just have co-worker friendships. Have real friendships. But then when people are hurting, when you notice their demeanor is different, when they come into work every day, you notice when things are different, that's when you say, hey, what's going on? And and they'll say, no, I'm fine. And then you bring up the line from the Italian job. You say, really? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional? Really? How are you doing? And then they tell you and you listen. This is what Jim has to work on very hard, the listening part. And when they're done, you say, wow, thank you for sharing that. Can I pray with you right now Hmm. about that? I've never had anybody say no, mm-hmm. but all along, none of that stuff matters if you're not a person of excellence in your work, Chad. And so it's all defined by your excellence because your excellence reflects the glory of God. And so that's really how you start to make an impact in your workplace. And God opens up doors from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I so appreciate, I, I mean, if, if an employer is listening to this, who happens to not be a believer, and uh, I mean, who doesn't want people of excellence in their, in their, uh, in their workplace? And uh, it, it reminds me of, of a scripture, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, 1st or 2 Corinthians, where, where Paul says, in everything that you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. I mean, yeah. eating and drinking are, are very basic things that we do. Um, our work should, should especially be done with excellence and, and, and for his glory. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that. So I would encourage you right now, if you're listening to this, um, go to their website, iworkforhim.com and look up that covenant. It is uh, really, really helpful. Even if you're working in a Christian work in a, in a Christian ministry, because those principles apply across the board. Um, it, it really not does. Chad, Chad, not even if you are, especially <laughs> if you are, because the toughest environments, work environments in mm. the world mm. are Christian Christian, quote unquote, Christian work environments, because everybody lets their their their, their uh, hair down and forgets that they're trying to do things for God. And all of a sudden, it, some of those are some, it, it can, those can be some of the toughest workplaces in America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's easy to let things slide, isn't it? Especially it as it relates to excellence. Right. And, and uh, yeah, no, that's a very um, good observation. It is, um, Convicting observation, I think, uh, for, 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 for many ministries. Yeah, good. What, um, share with us, I mean, you, you have a number of stories in here of, uh, in just in words of encouragement. Um, share with us some of your, a, a couple of your favorite stories of people who are doing 
workplace ministry well? Well, I would say that one of them that I love to highlight from I Work For Him is the um, contribution made by TJ Tyson. And she wrote a book called um, Killing Wonder Woman. And um, it really speaks to the Christian working woman. But yet I will say everyone is going to take something away from it because I think we all know somebody who think, you know, thinks that we need to live up to this Wonder Woman um idea that we could do everything well and we you know burn ourselves out and so uh, tj just has such a great um story in there about how we need to look at ourselves through the lens of how god created us and to not live up to the culture that tells us you know we need to to do everything and and mm. really hurt ourselves in that process so that's one of my favorite ones in the I work for him book. And then we have a whole book. She works for him that mm -hmm. really speaks to the Christian working woman. And I just, I love the opportunity to hear other people's vantage points of where they work, the journey that God has taken them on in their work and how he has grown them in very unique and different ways. What was fun about the She Works for Him book is that I just, we've got a heart and passion for uplifting Christian working women. Uh, they, they tend to not get encouraged as much by the body of Christ as they should. And, and they do struggle with being mom, wife, mm -hmm. boss, it's worker, huge. whatever it may be. Yeah. And so we had reached out to every woman that had ever appeared on I Work for Him and said, hey, would you like to contribute a chapter to a book to Christian working women? And about 40 of them responded, and about 20 of them wrote chapters. And all I said is that we want, because I was directing this part of the project, Martha is the one that made the books look amazing. I said, all we want to do you to do is share your story of living out your work, living out your faith in your work. Hmm. No parameters. 19 of them wrote, plus Martha, not a single one of them duplicated a thought. They all just spoke from their heart, and it was just amazing. You know, Chab and I talk about great stories that are in the books. Martha's dad uh, is a marketplace hero in, in our world. Mm -hmm. You know, I met him when I was 16, so I've known him a very, very long time. But he was a contributor to both I Work For Him and I Retire For Him. When we went on the air for I Work For Him, a couple of weeks into it, maybe probably several months into it, he goes, Jim, I get the whole I Work For Him thing, but I don't I Work For Him because I retire for him. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's a good one because it's not just everybody out there that's working for Christ. How about the 30 plus million Christ followers across the country who are going, what do I do now? I'm not working. Where's my ministry place? I can only play golf or go pick up seashells or whatever I'm doing. I, I play tennis. I can only do that for so long. So that's where I retire from came from. But Ted wrote, and I work for him, the story of how God gave him his career. And how he lived out his faith in his career. And then in I Retire for Him, he takes it from when he retired through to today, and he's almost 89 years old, hmm. of how he's lived out his faith in his retirement. And every one of those stories is powerful. And he just, you kind of learn the life of Martha's dad as he lived out, his, learned to live out and did live out his faith at work. And and it's and kind of a Continuing to and, do it yeah. in his retirement. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's not slowing down in that area. Yeah. We were at this yeah. a wedding this past weekend and he's giving out copies of I Retire for him and gospels of John to people all throughout the wedding. It was fantastic. Wow. He is wow. a man of God and loves to share that stuff all the time. Yeah. So there's, the books are full of um, 
just examples from other people's perspective of how God is has sometimes taken a very broken situation and turned it around. Mm -hmm. And um, it's amazing because sometimes when we look at people, we don't know their journey. We just think, huh, they're so successful or they're, they're being so transparent in their faith or they're, you know, whatever it is that you see in them and you admire, but what it took them to get there because Mm -hmm. of brokenness and God really transforming them Mm-hmm. is what they're writing about in the in the books and so that it's hard to just pick one story for that very reason because i think every one of your listeners can relate to a different person's story or know someone that can relate to that or or and find great hope in it right when we think yeah. we're at the bottom of our pit um god has great plans for us and we've interviewed so many people chad you know we're like 2000 podcasts between i work for him i retire from him and and she works for him and there's so many stories and that's what we want to do we just keep wanting to highlight what god is doing in other people's lives and the 54 people got to contribute to books you had to limit it but on the Mm -hmm. podcast it's unlimited Mm -hmm. that yeah And, and that podcast is the same same name i work for him so you can find it on Apple, Spotify, the others. I know uh, it, it's a great resource. I encourage you to, to go and subscribe. I know um, I'm going to just jump back a little bit. As you were talking about the I retire for him. So uh, I'm a few years away from that. Just hit 50 this year. But I have thought about it in the context of you know, scripture doesn't talk about the it doesn't doesn't mention the word retire or even really the concept of, of retire. So how how should a Christian be thinking biblically about the cultural um, aspect of retirement? I have my own thoughts, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts about how you how you think and process that. You know, it's a really great conversation to start having at our age, Chad, mm-hmm. because the world, we kind of lump it all together and we think financial retirement and vocational retirement and um a geographical retirement really in America, because we look at like, where are we going to go live and all those kinds of things all kind of happen simultaneously. But this whole idea, and Jim does a great job of talking about it, but just the whole idea, you're right. The scriptures does not lay out for us. What we all believe as the American retirement Mm -hmm. is not biblical retirement. And we talk about that a lot in the, I retire for him book, but I like to make the distinction between financial retirement is very different from what are you going to do with Mm -hmm. the rest of your time and your energy? And most Mm -hmm. importantly, all of the things that God has taught you in the last, you know, 30, 40 years of your career, what are you going to do with that in this in this quarter of life? Well, and if I can add to that, Chad, so the Bible mentions retirement in one context, Levitical priests. Levitical yeah. priests were commanded, they had, a, they had a mandatory retirement age of 50. 50. Yep. But what it talks about then, and that's because Levitical priests were butchers. They 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 killed the cattle, they killed the, the sheep, they, they killed whatever the sacrifice would be, they skinned it, they cut off the right portions, put them on the, the sacrifice. These guys worked really, really hard, 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 hard work. Like those Iowan farmers you probably yeah, like, live right. here, Chad. That's right. <laughs> but what they were to do then afterwards is then continue investing in the next generation of Levitical priests who could start at 25 uh, mm-hmm. and, and train up the next generations. And that's really who we wrote the I Retire Frame book to is 
here's some practical ways for you to live out your faith, whether you're retired and no longer working or you're retired and you have to go back to work or want to go back to work, what can you do? Because when we are retired, there's no such thing as just, you don't just get to sit back and relax and do nothing because that will kill you. God designed us to be workers. How do we live with intentionality in our retirement to influence our neighbors? You know, I recommend in the book, if you're, if you're retired, go move into a young people neighborhood Mm. because Mm. so many young people today don't have access to grandparents, don't have access to parents because of divorce and all kinds of ugly stuff. Become a parent or a parent to those neighbors, become a grandparent to their kids, Uh, teach them how to cook, how to clean, how to fix stuff. Because the generations today, that's not what they do. The only way to fix stuff is with YouTube. I mean, how much better to get to know it from Jim, your neighbor? (laughs) Uh, But it's so important that we realize that we're not done. And that if you're at a church here, I'm speaking to the listeners. If you're at a church that takes all the old people and sticks them off in a room, Mm -hmm. takes all the young people, sticks them off in a room, leave the church or say to the church, it's time we start mixing the generations up. Yeah, because the young people can't teach themselves the things that I know. Please, let's intersperse all those generations together in small groups, because that's a huge thing that's not going on in the body of Christ today. I I mean, what you just described really is what uh, what the book of Timothy talks about, right? Um, When it's the uh, uh, Timothy learned from his grandmother, and it's it's the older generation teaching the younger generation, and. uh, uh, that's that is you know when I, when I think of retirement I think of of we never retire from ministry we never we never step away of God's call in our life whatever that call is and and walking faithfully to His calling and to to living biblically and living biblically is interacting and impacting people and uh, um, mm-hmm. hopefully our view of retirement is that, that should free us up to be able to do that even more and. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, one thing I just want to add. So we actually now have three podcasts and Jim co-hosts. I retire for him with a um, Bruce Brinesma, who heads up the retirement reformation. And one of the things that Bruce talks about, and he's 80 and he's 80 and he talks about a lot of us plan what we're retiring from, you know, mm-hmm. getting out of our career mm-hmm. and our crabby bosses or whatever it might be that from but we don't talk about what we're going to retire to hmm. and how we're going to fill our time. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, that just really resonated because that's something the 50 and the 60 year olds yeah. and even the 40 and 30 year olds should already be thinking about Absolutely. like when yep. this career um, is complete and I don't need to make money yep. from it anymore. What does God have for me that I yeah. get to do with my opportunities that come up? And you don't have to quit working. You can keep working. There's no rule. Okay, if you're a pilot for an airline, you have to retire. But you could then, there's so many. And if you're a Levitical priest. And if you're you're listening today and you're a Levitical priest. But it's just so important. I mean, the stuff that we do, most of us could do until we're well into our mid to late 70s. Yeah. Uh, But don't do that if you're not investing in the next generations. That's the key. We need to be creating a perpetuation plan for the body of Christ and in industries. So, Chad, you live in Iowa where there's all kinds of talented craftsmen, people that know how to do plumbing and electrical and and mechanical stuff and people that are that are dirt movers and people that are farmers and farmers know how to do everything. But across the country, there's an extraordinary lack of tradespeople, people who are talented that know how to do those things. 
And we, as the older people in the country, need to be training up the younger people to do and encourage those things. Not everybody was designed to be sitting behind a desk. You know, 50 or 60% of people that are going to college today, that's not where they should be. They should be going to a trade school to learn something incredible, like car mechanics. They don't train those in college. I mean, come on, people. We got to figure that out. But (laughs) but that's one of his soapboxes. Okay, you can get down now. Okay. Okay. No, but but it's but it's so true. I mean, for myself, I paid my way through college doing framing carpentry, and mm. uh, I figured, you know, that way I always have a skill, no matter what, to to fall back on, and and uh, I've used that <laughs> every year. I use it in some way with uh, yeah. whatever project we have going on at home or for neighbors or or whatever. So, you, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned earlier about just intentionality and the importance of really living intentional. I'm just going to share an exercise that I did probably 10 years ago that longer than that now, probably 15 years ago, I sat down and I wrote down what age I was and I wrote down the ages of each of my children at the time. And then I transferred five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, and 30 years, and just wrote down each of their ages. That was transformational just in terms of a mindset to realize, you know, and 10 years from now, my youngest child is going to be graduating from high school. Well, now that son is married and, and, uh, <laughs> married and, and, wow. and lives in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, but, but doing exercises like that, that kind of drive us to be, to think intentionally about what does the future look like in, mm-hmm. in our spheres of influence. And uh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's really good. That well, sounds like a really deep, heady kind of thing. I never spend that kind of time thinking like, <laughs> I just want to get yes, through today. Do. Yes, you do. <laughs> you, you, you know, um, I, I, I'm just thinking of, we've covered a lot of topics today. We have went mm-hmm. from uh, um, working uh, a Christian in the workplace, how ministries need that, as well as uh, those that are, that are in more secular type work, uh, all the way to retirement. And, mm-hmm. and, and just realizing, I think the takeaway that I want our listeners to, to, to realize, no matter where you are in the workplace, God has called you to minister to those around you. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I tell my kids, you never know when you're making a memory. And uh, that, that, that can be true no matter where we're working. And so I just want to encourage our listeners that uh, do your work with excellence, like what was just talked about in the digital space, whether it's in the ministry or other areas. Um, and then look for opportunities to serve your coworkers. And I think I, I just I just love that passion that comes through from both of you in on, on that area. And I'd encourage you, you got to pray for the people you work alongside. Yeah. And and, yeah. and what you'll find is that they're not going to change, but God will start to shape your heart to see them yeah. the way he sees them. And, yeah. and that is the power of prayer. That's really good. Well, Jim and Martha, could you just share um, with us, with our audience, one book or resource that you've read recently that has impacted your thinking? Well, I, one thing that um, probably maybe some people that are listening have done this in the past, but just recently, Jim and I have both gone through strength finders. Hmm. And so that is the new resource that we are really leaning into and not only helping us in our organization, but helping us in our marriage to better understand how God wired each of us. Um, and actually even how it plays out on our radio show, because yeah. Jim um, like harmony yeah, so is what's at your, the top. Yeah, what's your top five? What's your top five oh, strengths I, for each of you? Oh, I can't spit them all out, but um, responsibility and harmony are two of my top. 
-hmm. And responsibility is at the top for Jim, but harmony is at the bottom for him. (laughs) And so it's funny because we see that, like, I think we both have that sense of responsibility that we want the world to know that their work matters, that they are to live um, with their work as a mission field. And so we have a real responsibility towards that, which we're unified in. And then when Jim, like maybe asks a guest a tough question, I'm that one who kind of <laughs> brings the harmony back into the conversation. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. So, Just answer the question. I want to know the answer. <laughs> so it's really been fun for us to see how that works for us. And because yeah. God designed it, he designed us the way we are, and we're learning to use them better. I mean, we can always grow, um, but but that's been a real eye-opener. And we're just now going to start going through some coaching with the Strength Finders together as a couple. So we've that's both great. done it individually. Um, so I would say that that's a really fun recent resource. It's not a new resource, but it's yeah. new to us. No, that's, you know, you know, it's interesting you bring up Strength Finder, which was developed by um, some folks at Gallup many years ago. Well, Gallup was based in Lincoln, Nebraska, where I was working when they were first coming out with their books. And one of their books that they wrote, I think it was called First Break All the Rules. Again, this is 20, 25 years ago. It was, I was just getting into management. It was the first book that I read on management. And it it transformed the way that, that, that I think, I mean, it laid the foundation for the way I think about, about managing people. And the premise was, you know, every person has their own strengths. And so, so you need to, to be able to manage to their strengths, not mm-hmm. just have this template that you force everybody through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I can definitely relate my, my wife is high on harmony. And I, I tell pe- folks, you know, I never knew had, I never had any tact until I got married and uh, marriage helps uh, refine. And I don't know if you found, but the strengths that I may have more naturally are tempered with my spouse and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and helps makes like we, we help those strengths even come out more on, on those mm-hmm. different areas. So strengths finder, that's a great resource. Our company, actually, when you start at five Q, we have everybody take the strength finder. That's mm-hmm. one of two or three different, uh, assessments that we use and find it really, really helpful. So, and that doesn't surprise me. You have a great team and um, they, they work well together and they really emanate, uh, you know, they just show the love of Christ in what they do. And um, so kudos to you for how you are leading them. Well, I appreciate that. It's uh, like you said, we do have a great team and I'm very grateful for that. I Mm -hmm. thank the Lord for that every day. So good. Well, Jim and Martha, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really helpful, really insightful. And I just encourage our audience again, go to their website, iworkforhim.com, subscribe to their podcast, uh, grab one or both of their books, or all three of their books. Um, I know you'll find it encouragement and, and just, just being able to, to, to read stories that are encouraging of, of how people are making a difference in, the, in, in, in their workspace. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. One of the best ways that you can grow in your excellence is learning from others. I want to invite you to attend our virtual digital ministry conference this October 6th and 7th. You'll be learning from other experts on how to scale your digital outreach. It's a fast-paced two days covering topics on the latest trends on social media, video, personalization, and much, much more. Reserve your spot today at digitalministryconference.com. That's digitalministryconference.com. Thank you so much for listening. 
Until next week, keep learning, keep growing, and keep impacting your world for Christ.